A couple weeks ago on Christmas Eve, the takeaway from that talk that I gave that night was simply this. One of the reasons that things go so wrong in our lives, so why, why, why things that could be possible never actually happen, never actually become possible, is not because you have lack of talent, not because you have lack of ability or lack of resources or, or lack of opportunity. Our biggest problem in life many times is we lack vision. And by that, here's what I mean, seeing only what appears to be true or real, but failing to see what could be possible if you combine what, what God says is true about you with what God says is true about himself and what he says and promises and is willing to do in your life. But a lot of us just live our lives on our own. We, we depend on ourselves and, and it'll just never happen. Impossible things will never become possible. But what Jesus says over and over is if you'll combine your life with God, well, this is how Jesus said it. Look at Matthew 19 up here on the screen. He says this. Jesus looked at them and he said, with man or woman, whatever, with a person alone, with you all by yourself, this, and if you can fill in the blank with this, whatever it is in your life, with you by yourself, this is impossible, but with God, what? All things are, are possible. You by yourself, not so much, but you and God together, all things are possible. So the obstacle to impossible things actually becoming possible and happening in your life come down to, to, to one of two things, maybe both in your case. One is, and this is true for a lot of us, you don't know the truth about yourself. You believe something about yourself that's just not, not true, or you don't know the truth about God, who he is and what he's able to do in you and through your life. And that brings up questions like, well, what do you mean I don't know the truth about myself? It means this, for a big chunk of your life, you've been told, you've been convinced, and you started believing and accepting a, a definition of this is who I am. This is how much I'm worth. And because of that belief, you've been doing and behaving in light of that truth. But the question I want to throw out today is, what if that truth that you've bought into isn't true about you? Specifically, let me talk to men for a few minutes, all right? What, what if your definition of this is what a man looks like, this is how a man finds value and worth in the world today, this is how a man acts and treats his body or another person's body, this is what it means to be a friend or a husband or a dad or a son, what if all of those definitions and standards and expectations and benchmarks that you've been going for, that you've accepted, that, that you've bought into, what if, just like that song, what if it's all messed up this time? Go with it, Right? What if, what, if, what if you're wrong? You say, well, wrong. well, according to who? How about according to God? How about according to the reality of your life? Well, what do you mean, reality? I mean this, look around. Just look around at your life. The definitions and behaviors and patterns and directions of your life, of, of being a good man, a good husband, a good dad, many of the things that you've been told all your life, this is what you need to do. And this is what you need to pursue in order to be a real man. Here's reality. It's not working. It just doesn't work, right? And you say, well, I don't know if I agree with that or not. Yes, you do. I can prove that you agree with me on that, all right? Just, just test yourself this. Don't raise, don't raise your hand or anything, but can you name five marriages that you're familiar with that you would say, that's what I want? Are there five couples out there in the world going, I want a marriage just like that? Can you name five men in your life that you would describe as great men in your life, not in the history of the world, that you know personally? Can you name five men who you would say, they're, they're great dads, their kids love them, his kids obey him because they respect him, and here's the big one, his teenage son or his teenage daughter still loves hanging out with their dad. Can you come up with five examples of that? How about this? Are, are, there, are there any men, not in the world, but in your life, that you would say, yeah, I, I know five guys, they have character, they have honor, they're self-controlled, they always have been, and they're always faithful to their wives because they're still in love with their wives. How, how about this? Can you name five men in your life that you personally can look at and go, 
That's what it looks like to run after Jesus. That's what I want my life to look like. And hopefully your answer is, yeah. It'd be great if you go, yeah, I know 10 guys just right off the top of my head that I can name like that. But for most of us in this room, we'd be hard pressed to come up with one or two examples of men like that. Men of honor, husbands of character, a man who adores and is adored by his wife and kids. And because so many of us guys, we haven't seen that in the world or had it in our lives, let alone experienced it for ourselves, what many of us, and by many I mean most of us, what we do is we just let go of that and give up. Say it's impossible, doesn't work anymore, and we settle for, or to go back to that gun analogy, we aim for something else. And by else I mean something less. What's interesting to me is this, is that when, when life doesn't work out, when our marriages fall apart and our relationships fall apart and our families kind of fall apart, we, we act surprised. We ask questions, like, ask questions like, how'd that happen? Or more often, why did that happen again? Over and over and over, the same stuff. Some of us, we get so frustrated, we look up at God and yell at God and tell him to do his job better. You should have fixed this. You should have fixed that part of my life. You should have changed what's broken. To which if I was God, and I'm not, and you should be glad, but if I was God and you were throwing questions like that at me, I'd look back at you and go, why are you so surprised? Why are you so surprised? You got exactly what you were aiming at. So those are the kind of questions that we're gonna be asking ourselves over the next, I don't know, five or six, maybe seven weeks. What are you aiming your life at? And what we are, this is going to be addressed primarily to, to men. Ladies, let me just take a time out and talk to you. Two things I want all the women in the room to, to keep in mind whenever we do a message or a series targeting men. The first thing is this, ladies. Every truth that we're going to kind of unpack or, or distortion of the truth that we're going to talk about, and we're going to address that to men and to boys, can be specifically or at least generally applied to women and girls. So the next six weeks is not like a buy for you. Ha <laughs> it's all on the guys. No, no, no. You, you have to take these truths, look in the mirror, and figure it out. I believe you can do that. I, I think you're smarter than guys. You can do it on your own. We need our own series. So there we go, all right? Uh, the, the, the second thing is, you know, all the, everybody's, the guys are going, that's true. All right, so, uh, and second, ladies, is this, and we'll talk about this a, a lot through this series, but men aren't the only ones who have, have settled for something else, something less. You have too. Ladies, you've taken your eyes off the, the, the bullseye as well. And here's the thing, I, I get it. I understand, I'm not throwing stones at you. I even understand, I don't even blame you. Most of the, you know, I've, I've had this conversation with a lot, a lot of women, all right? It goes like this, you, you don't see any or, or many good men left out there. So, so you've settled, right, for the fact that there aren't any or many good men out there. So you lowered the bar. You, low, you lowered your standards and you accepted a man who, get this, he's not gonna because he doesn't know how, he's not gonna love you the way you deserve to be loved. And I'm not talking about for a week or a month or even a couple of years. Anybody can pull that off. I'm talking about loving you for the rest of your life. That's what you deserve. The rest of his life. But, but, but many of you ladies, you don't see much of that around you, kind of in the man pool, so you decided he doesn't exist and you're gonna settle for something less. And, and I'm not a prophet, but here's what I've seen happen over and over again, is in a few months or a few years down the road, you're gonna roll over in bed and look at him, all right? Or you're gonna pick yourself up off the floor on a Friday night and you're gonna act surprised that your life is such a mess. You're gonna yell at God. If I was God, I'd look back at you and go, why are you so surprised? You know, this, he, is what you settled for. This is what you aimed at, and you got it. And today's just the introduction, all right? So, so here are some questions to get both men and women thinking as we move into this series. Question number one is, where do you want your life to go? Where do you want your life to go from this point on? 
What, what do you want your life, your marriage, your family to look like? And I'm not talking about this afternoon. I'm talking a year from now, a decade from now, maybe more. And even if you can answer there, I want this kind of life. I want to be this kind of man. I want to be this kind of family, whatever, all right? Even if you can say that, how are you planning on getting there from here? I heard someone say one time that everything that has happened in your life by you or to you has been the perfect way to get you where you are this morning. Your whole life is lined up to land you where in this chair today. You are where you are. Things are the way they are in your life because everything that has happened to you, your fault or somebody else's fault, every decision and consequence that you're now living with, your fault or somebody else's fault is based on the steps and decisions and responses that you've made in the past. So that's not even the question. The question is this. Do you want your future to simply be more of your past? Is that good enough? And if so, just keep doing whatever you're doing. Do you want your future to simply be more of the past? Because historically, and by that I mean reality would say this, what has happened and is happening in your life right now happened because this is what you've been settling for, aiming at. And in gun terms, all the laws of physics and relationships, they're the same, they're the same thing. You only hit what your gun or your life is pointing at. So what are you pointing your life at? And why when, guys, why when you say, I want to be this kind of man, I want to be this kind of husband, I want to be this kind of father, I want to have this kind of life, why are you surprised when you say, that's what I want, but you keep landing way over there? And if you're honest with yourself, and you have to answer this, this is between you and God, but you have to admit, when I think about it, I hit exactly what I was aiming my life at. So so what do we do? And I I would say, reverse engineering. Where am I now, today, in this moment? Where do I want to be in the future? And how do I get from here to there with the best shot at hitting the bullseye? Or or to put it simply, most of us, at least men anyway, we live our lives like this. Fire, aim, ready. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Fire, fire, aim, ready. We we act way too quickly. We pull the trigger way too quick. We we have no no idea where, where we're going and we're not prepared to do what we need to do. When we say we really want that kind of a life, a reverse engineering would say this, let's just turn that around. First, let's get ready. Well, what do I need to do? What do I need to change and adjust? And, and, and am I prepared to, to do what, whatever needs to be done? Second, aim. Where do I want my life and the most important parts and people in my life to end up downrange? And, and third, pull the trigger, fire. Do whatever you need to do, but only do the things that give you the best shot at hitting your target. And that's where we're going to go. I want to look at two verses out of the Bible really quickly. They can be applied to a lot of areas of life, but, but today we're going to apply them to men becoming better men, all right? We'll be in the book of Hebrews. It's like almost at the end of your Bible and then back about 100 pages. It's in your program and on the screens. There's, there's arguments about who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some people think it was Paul who wrote a big chunk of the Bible. Some people, it's other, other, somebody else. But if I say Paul and you disagree with me, don't leave the church. Just pray through it, all right? So, all right, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and we're going to apply this to guys. Here we go. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, let's just stop right there, cloud of witnesses. If you would have read the chapter before this, it's a long list of both men and women who have had really, really hard lives. They've gone through horrible things, but they believe, they never let go of this. God's going to take care of me. God's going to take care of me. Some were executed, cut in half, had horrible lives, died in poverty, hid in caves from the enemy, all that kind of stuff. But they, 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 they died trusting and believing that God is who he says he is and would take care of him. And they never gave up to the end. Back to that verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, because so many other people have had hard lives, but they held on to Jesus, let us, and that's us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin 
the mistakes that, that so easily entangles and, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So, so here Paul, or the author, isn't using shooting a gun or a bow and arrow or a target analogy. He's using a foot race comparison, but the application is the same when it comes to, you know, ready, aim, fire. Whether you're going to run a race or, or, or shoot a target, step one is you got to get ready. And that's what today's about. We, ha- we have to get honest about the stuff that hinders us and keeps tripping us up. And I'm not talking about once or twice. Everybody makes a mistake and falls down every once in a while. We're human. I- I'm talking about those things that, that trip us up over and over and over and over and over and over. We have to get ready. We, we have to decide. I don't want those things to continue to trip me up. I want to do whatever I need to do to let go of those things and walk or run away from the things that are, that are going to keep me from becoming who I need to be and doing what, what needs to be done. I got to get ready. And then step two is we're going to aim. Look, look, look at verse two there in chapter 12. It says this. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. I love that. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. If step one is I'm ready for a change in my life. I'm ready for something different, something better. And I'm not going to let my bad definitions and my past mistakes continue to be the thing that, that keep me from running my race in the future. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going I'm to fix my eyes on Jesus. Or, or in, in shooting terms, I'm going to put Jesus in my crosshairs, not go to the left or right. I'm going I'm to aim at who he is and what he says about life and about me. Then Paul goes on and describes this Jesus that we're, that we're going to be aiming at. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. What does that mean? It means Jesus is proof you can trust God. How do I know God is on my, on my side? He gave you Jesus. That's what you needed to have your sins forgiven. That's what you needed to be reconnected back, back to God. He gave you his only son. Why do you think he'll give up on you now? Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, talking about Jesus, for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So here's the Jesus, the kind of Jesus I'm going to fix my sights on. Jesus, the, the one who had a really hard life. He didn't have a cushy, easy life. He endured pain and suffering, the ridicule of other people. So, so he could fulfill what God wanted to do in his life, what God wanted to do in the world, specifically what God wanted to do in my life. So I could have another shot. A second chance at becoming the man or woman I, that, that, that we were meant to be. In spite of it, I'm going to be honest with you, I have tried to hit the bullseye before and failed miserably. I, I'm going to take aim at Jesus because he's the God of second chances. And Paul says, you know, keep your eyes, fix your sights, aim your life at that kind of Jesus, on that kind of man to get you where you want and need to end up. So I started this talk by saying this, is that most of our problems and failures in our life at least the most important parts of our life, can come down to one of two things, maybe both. We don't know who we are, why we're here, what we were meant to be, and we don't know who God is, what he's like and what he can do in our lives if we'll allow him to. And in this series, we're going to take aim at both of those things. See, see, if the, if the Bible tells us to, to fix our eyes or, or aim our life at Jesus, he's the greatest man to ever walk on the planet, then the best place to start is, let's figure out who Jesus is and what he's like. So why is that so important? Because over the next weeks in here, we're going to be looking at this. The Bible tells husbands, so husbands, heads up, husbands, you're to love your wives like Jesus loves. So we better figure out how Jesus loves. The Bible tells men and husbands and dads to to lead like like Jesus led. So we better figure it out how Jesus led. The Bible tells dads especially to encourage and act in honorable ways with their children like Jesus was honorable and encouraging. So we better know how Jesus did that. So we're going to fix our eyes on that kind of Jesus. What he did and what he taught about, this is a better way to live. This, this is what he's looking for in a, in a man, in a husband, in a father, in a son, in a friend. I want to fix my eyes on what Jesus says about, this is how a man treats a woman. 
This is how a father treats his children. This is how a son treats his mother. This is how a man runs after Jesus. This is the bullseye. Take aim. The other thing we're going to do is this, is we're going to pull the trigger. We're, we're going to fire. We're not, this isn't going to be about theory or speculation or maybe or someday. And we're not going to talk about if things were different in my life. Can I just give you a heads up? They're not. They're not. I mean, I wish my life was different, right? You do too, right? They're not. Your life is what it is. So we're going to start there and we're going to take aim and we're going to pull the trigger. See, see, just like when you're shooting a target with a gun, the, the target is fixed. If you're not hitting the target, it's not the target's fault, right? It's the shooter's fault. Meaning this, as I can't change my past. Don't you wish you could change your past? Don't you wish there was a magic button? You go, I'll just take college back and do that again, right? right? Don't you wish you could get your 20s back or something? I mean, I just, you can't. I can't change my past. I can't, I can't change how I got to where I am today. I can't change anybody else's life in the whole world. So if anything needs to change between me and the target, if anything is ever going to change, it's not the target. It's not which way the wind blows. It's me. So every week in here, we're going to ask God to reveal to us whatever he sees in us that needs to be changed and fixed and adjusted. We're not going to talk about what somebody else needs to change. Not our deal. We're not going to talk about, what, well, if she was different, if my kids were different, if my dad had been different, right? Well, they aren't. We're going to talk about us. And then we're going to walk out of here with very intentional, practical applications of, of, of what that would look like to live your life where you actually have a shot at hitting the bullseye. So, so the question is this, if Jesus is way over there and he's the target and I am where I am today, wherever that is, however I got here, how do I get from here to the target? And the answer is reverse engineering. We're going to start with Jesus and work backwards through all the steps and elements and obstacles that are between us and Jesus and then ready, aim, fire. Which is why I skipped over that first one. I want to come back to it. Are you ready? Are you, are you ready for things to change? That that's certainly applies to both men and women. But, but men, are, are you at a point in your life where you're desperate enough or, or sick enough or afraid enough, frustrated enough, passionate enough, maybe, maybe hopefully inspired enough to say, I want something more than I see around me in the world? I want more for my future than I've experienced in my past. I want more for the people in my life that I love than I've been able to offer them in the past. I'm ready. I, I want to be a, a better man. Are you ready to aim everything at your life, fire everything at that target? And here's the thing. I, I mean, you're, you're smart people. You're sitting there going, I am. I think I am. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. uh, you know, I've sat in rooms like this before and went, this is it. I'm going to really do it. And, and you mean it. You do. You mean it. I'm going to be a better man. But then here come all the conversations in your head and all the excuses that come up. Like this, this is what a lot of us are thinking in this room right now. I have tried this before. I've tried to be a good man. I've tried to be a better husband. I've tried to get along with my kids, all right? I just made a lot of mistakes. Really? Who hasn't? Right? I mean, who has? Oh, I'll give you an example of this, all right? You know, here are your options. Three years ago, I shared this story across the street, but I, I was at the gym and I was doing bench press, all right? A lot of weight, all right? So anyway, so I'm doing bench press and it was like the fourth rep and this muscle right here, remember this? It tore out of the bone and you fell down here and it, purple boob, it was just mess. Anyway, so anyway, so then I, uh, I had it surgically reattached and I went through rehab and all this, all this stuff and, and, and now three years later, it's as good as new. It's, it's really, it's, maybe it's better than, than, than it was originally, but on December 26th, I went back to the gym, same bench, same weight. I lay down there, this one ripped off. All right, that's what I said, followed by something else I can't say. All right, but here are my options. All right, um, get it put back together, sew it back together, whatever it takes, then rehab it, 
And then go to re, you know, recover all that strength and then keep going. And that's what I want to do. So you're sitting here going, yeah, I made mistakes in my life. I've broken things, ripped things, torn things. Yeah, me too. Heads up. That's why Jesus died on a cross. To pay for our past mistakes. And help us have a better shot at having a less mistake-filled future. So your options, if you've made mistakes in your life, are give up and quit. Or quit making excuses and get up. And, and keep going. The other excuse that rings in my head a lot is, I, how do you do that? Where, where do you start? I mean, I can run a company or I can do this, I can do these. You know, I can do all this stuff out here. I don't know how to change. I don't know how to be a better man. I don't know where to start. Can, can I be honest with you? I don't either. I, I, I don't. If that disappoints you, I'm sorry. I, I, I do know this about myself. Given my past record of successes and failures in the do the right thing, be a better man category, I don't stand much of a chance if I try to be a better man on my own. I know me. I need some other men in my life who are trying to aim at the same things that I'm going for. God knows that. He knows that about all people, but I think he especially knows this about men. Listen to what a man in the Bible named Solomon, God describes Solomon as, other than Jesus, the wisest man to ever walk on the face of the earth. Solomon writes this in Proverbs 27. He says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You think about that, it's, like, it's true. In another place, Solomon said this, and, and I've applied this to, to a lot of other things before, you know, uh, to marriage and stuff like that, but it, it's actually Solomon is talking about male friendship and male companionship. And this is what he writes. He says, two, two men are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man, I want to say pity the fool. I really want to say that, but it doesn't say that, but... <laughs> Mr. T. Right, the, 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 but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. I'll explain that in just a minute, all right? <laughs> but how can one keep warm uh, alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So what's, what's Solomon, or what, what is God saying to men in, in, in this? In that first verse, he's saying this. Good men coming in contact with other good men make better men. That's just, that's just true. Iron sharpens iron. He's saying in, in, the, in those last sections, he, he's saying that, 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 that two men can get more done together than one man working all by himself in isolation. He's saying that a man's best chance of recovering from falling down, and everybody falls down, but his best chance of getting back up is if he has another man that he can trust nearby who's willing to help him get back up. He, he's saying, and this one was a little weird, I didn't understand it, but um, I don't know, if, if you're out camping and it's really cold and your buddy's all you got, do what you have to do, you know. I, I, it, I don't think it means that, but I, I, um, I, I've always applied this to marriage. You know, it's better to sleep with a wife than to sleep by yourself, all right? But th that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about male companionship and male friendship. And I kind of had an aha moment the other day watching TV. I get that a lot. I, I was watching this military training show where they made all the recruits like, spend hours in the Pacific Ocean in ice cold water. Have you seen that show? And then at the end of the, they, they let them get out of the water. And so all these big, you know, like Navy SEAL type guys, you know what they do? They all pile on top of each other and they hug each other. And nobody's making jokes because they kill each other, all right? But uh, they're just trying to keep each other warm. And, and I think the application is the same. Men, we, we live in a really cold, cold, cold world. And we have to have some other guys in our lives who are willing to stick closer than a brother or we're just not going to make it. God's saying this to us. He says, a man has to have someone 
Other than his wife or his girlfriend or his kids or his parents in his life, that's all good. But he needs somebody else that he knows has his back who will fight for him and maybe even fight with him and say and do the tough things because that's the best way to fight for him. So men, let me ask you this. Do you have another man in your life like that? How do you find other men in, in your life like that? And the answer is it's, it's really hard. And it doesn't happen easily, and it doesn't happen very often. And at first, it feels a little weird. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I said this a couple years ago. If, if some dude came up in the lobby out there after church and said, hey, you want to do life together? <laughs> I'm going to punch him in the face. That's just weird, all right? So, no, go away. I have a gun. All right, so, uh, um, no, but how, how do I find another guy in my life that would help me be a better man? And I'm going to confess, I don't know. I'm horrible at it. I really am. I, 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 I'll just, this is confession time, all right? I stand up here all the time and tell all you guys how you need to get in a small group and go to men's Bible studies and things like that and get in a community group. Community group I tell you that's what you need to do. But I'm such a hypocrite because anytime I have sat in a room like that and had someone like me say, you need to get in a group with, with some other guys, I check out because I am not going to do it. I just not. I know me. And I know what I really want to do. I know what I, 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 I love my job, so I'll, I'll do that till I drop, all right? I love my family, all right? And I have a couple of hobbies that I really like to do. And other than that, I have this big fat recliner at home has my name on it. And I just don't have a lot of time or margin in my life to do life with another dude. Do you? <laughs> just keeping it real. I just know. I, just, yeah. I, I also know this, uh, uh, at least about myself. Uh, in the big things of life, Things never just work themselves out. Isn't that true? And in my, in my life, there have been times and seasons and moments in my life that if, if I had not had one or two key men in my life that I trusted, who I knew had my back, were willing to do difficult things and say hard things I didn't want to hear, I promise I would not be here today. I would not be married to Robin. I'm convinced I wouldn't even be alive because I know me if I had not had some of those guys to help me through those times. So even though it's hard and, and, and it even feels inconvenient and weird sometimes, every man in this room knows deep down inside, I need that. I would love to have a friend like that. I wish it was possible. How do you find that? And, and I guess the best answer I can come up with is let's just try to figure this out together. So here's what we're going to do as we try to figure this all out as we, we kick off this new series. We're, we're going to try something that, that we've never tried before. It may flop. I don't think it. I think it's going to be good, but it's going to make some of you mad. I just know it's going to make some of you mad. My response to that is, I don't, I don't care. All right. So uh, here's what we're going to do. All right. Tonight, after the Broncos game, because we have our priorities right. Okay. So... <laughs> So tonight, after the Broncos crush the Steelers, all right, I, I, I want to invite every man in this room, every man in this church, middle schoolers, high schools, you know, students, college students, married men, single men, divorced men, young men, old men, I want every man in this church, I'm going to invite you to come back into this room tonight at 7 o'clock for a one-hour kind of show of solidarity. Here's what we named it. Very creative, all right? That's why you get a bunch of guys in a room. What do you want to call it? I don't know, that, all right? So... Uh, but here's what tonight's going to be about. It's going to be like a stand. We're going to take our role as, as men and as husbands and as boyfriends and as fathers and as sons. We're going to take this seriously. And I say the word I want to invite you, but I'm, I'm telling you, if, if I had a better word than invite, stronger, you know, I want to encourage you, exhort you, pressure you, heck, kidnap you, all right? I, I, I own weapons now. So yeah, I, I, come, I, I would come to your house. I, but I need every man in this church to come back here tonight for a couple reasons. One is as a statement to the women in your life 
and to the other men in your life that I, I want to be a better man. I do, I, I do. As a matter of fact, I think tonight's attendance, high or low, will make a huge statement about the future of our families and about the future of where this church is going to go. Are we serious or not about becoming better men? And I know there's a Broncos game. I'm going to watch it. So that's why we're not going to start till 7 o'clock. And if the game goes really long, because it's Tebow, who knows what will happen, all right? But uh, then, we'll, then we'll start 30 minutes. If it's after 7, we'll start 30 minutes after the, the game ends, all right? We're going to open up the lobby around 6. There's going to be, you know, pizza and free, you know, chicken wings and stuff like that. We're going to turn it into a sports bar out there, all right? But uh, it's just, oh, I love this church, all right? But and I, hear, I know some of you going, well, I already have plans and we were going to do this. Change your plans, this is important. And I never tell women, hey, nag your, your husbands or boyfriends, whatever, but nag them, all right? All right, make them promises. It's cold outside if you want to be warm because I'm just, <laughs> go to church, all right? So uh, we're going to talk about some really tough stuff. I, I want you to bring your sons with you, bring your dads with you, your buddies from, from work and, you know, lie to them, whatever. Just bring them here, all right? Which brings me to the second thing. We're, we're really serious, ladies. This is a man-only event. No ladies are going to be allowed through, through the doors. And that's not sexist and chauvinistic. As a matter of fact, one of the things over the next several weeks we're going to, going to unpack is that a lot of us men have been guilty of sexism and chauvinism. We need to change. Ladies, just give us some space. <laughs> and give us one room that we can talk openly with one another and get our crap together, all right? So, so, so no ladies tonight. And if that upsets you girls, all right, and you go, well, that's unfair. You, all right, you pray through that. And if you really got to get it off your chest, you write me an email and tell me I'm a jerk. I admit it, I can be a jerk. You still can't come. All right, so <laughs> I'm serious. You need to arrange your life so you can be here at 7 o'clock tonight. All right, so let me get close with this. I, about, I guess about 20 years ago, uh, Jordan, my son, was, 20, well, was two and a half years old, all right? And we lived in Lexington, Kentucky. And we were all walking down the sidewalk to the car to go to church, to go to Sunday school on Sunday morning, okay? And, and so Robin had been working with Jordan and on what you take to church and all that. And she'd also been working on different, you know, new words that he, we wanted him to use and stuff like that. So she looked at Jordan as he's walking down uh, towards the car and she said, Jordan, are you ready for Sunday school? And he said, yep, I got my Bible, I got my offering, I got my penis. That's good. That's awesome. If you knew his Sunday school teacher, Miss Margaret, she would have had a, oh, all right. So uh, that's good. So uh, here's why I tell you that. Tonight, guys, there will be no offering. Bring the other two, all right? Bible and your penis, all right? So 7 o'clock tonight in this room, out of here by 8 o'clock, I promise. All right, now I'm done. All right, I just want to tell that story. It doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but um, <laughs> I, I am convinced. I am, I am convicted by this. I think this could be the most important series that we've ever entered into in the life of this church, definitely since I've been here. More, more than that, I think it could be the most important thing that you've ever walked through, wrestled through as a family, as a man, as a, even if, if you're 14 years old and you haven't ever had a date yet, you need to be here. If you're a single mom, you need, to, you need to be here and, and listen to, to, to what you need to kind of, the vision you need to cast for your daughter and your sons. You need to be a part of this. I think this is the most important thing we've ever done. All right, I'm, I'm done. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing two songs, and then we're going to go cheer the Broncos. All right, stand up. Here we go. God, I love you so much. The place to start as we launch into this kind of this huge endeavor is on our knees. Heads bowed before you to say, we are about to embark on a journey that we really don't know what we're doing very well. We tried before and missed the mark and we're not going to beat ourselves up. We're not going to be martyrs. And 
We're going to fix our eyes on something better, and that's your son, Jesus. Teach us how to be better men and better women. Teach us to be the people that the people in our life that we love so much need us to be, but we don't know how to get there on our own, so we ask you to look in us, change what you see, fix what's broken. Give us the courage and the strength to stand firm. Make the hard calls. God, do whatever you need to do in our lives. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.